we've all been there. Let me, uh, let me pray one more time. God, I, uh, I thank you for Sunday. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to celebrate you. Father, I thank you for the truth, especially of that last song, Father, where, um, Father, we acknowledge that one day every knee will bow. Father, I pray that we will choose to willingly do so in this lifetime. Father, uh, the enemy roars loudly with lies, and Father, may you roar, roar louder with truth. Father, would truth be what is taught today and proclaimed in your name, amen. We all have uh, some uh, 2 a.m. buddies, and uh, if you're in college, 2 a.m. buddy probably had a different meaning back in the day. We're talking about somebody that if you're in a jam, they're going to come and get you, no questions asked. So I, you can go ahead, this is my favorites on my phone, and it's a little bit longer on there. And uh, so this is the type of person that when you put your phone on that sleep mode where you the do not disturb mode, then you let people in your favorites list bust through it, that they're going to bust through because you're willing to talk to them at all hours of the evening. Now, I have, let's see, I have Graham Wilson, our tech guy, and Wills Langworthy. We talked about him earlier. They're two people on, on my favorites. So if I'm, if I'm struggling, let's say I, the plane comes late and I need a ride at 2 a.m. from the airport. These are two people that I have no problem calling at 2 a.m. saying, I'm in a jam and you better come get me. They don't have kids in the house, so they have no excuse. I've actually never heard that Wheels actually sleeps, so he really has no excuse. Now, what if I called them, what if I called Graham, and he's like, yo, dude, like, you do you, I'll, I'll call you an Uber, or, but you're paying for it. <laughs> or, Jason, I, it's, I have like a meeting at 8 a.m., like I know you're in a jam, Sorry, call somebody else. Or you like it rings twice and then it stops and it goes to voicemail and like I would know that he ignored me. That would be super annoying, right? And I think how one responds to a need, how one responds to a situation describes then the relationship. I could, I could go into that scenario thinking Graham and I are great buddies. There's no way Graham would ever ignore my call. There's no way Graham would ever respond to this need by saying, you do you, uh, you figure this out, I ain't helping you. If that was the response, that would show me and tell me something about the friendship. Now, if he quickly got into his car and was there, that would also show me something positive about our friendship. How we respond says if our relationship is strong or weak. See, we're going to look at James in uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. James is going to describe three responses when we apply truth to our lives. The big thought for us this morning is going to be this. Wisdom is responding well to truth. So when you know truth, wisdom is seen in how you and I respond to it. When you know truth in your life, you can either respond a fool or respond as somebody who is wise. Now, I'm going to use a cheesy illustration. If you were going to, to go to work, and your boss is leaving for two weeks, a two-week vacay, and he sends out a company-wide memo laying out all the instructions, how to handle things from the parking lot, how to handle things in the office, how to keep the business going, how to make sales, how to, how to listing out everything that you need to know for the next two weeks so the business keeps on going. 
and your boss comes back and sees weeds growing up in the parking lot, sees the receptionist hanging back, playing on the phone, sees a bunch of dudes around the water cooler talking fantasy football, you have guys in the break room playing video games, and the boss says, well, didn't you see my memo? Should they respond, yeah, we saw it, it was really, really well written. Should they respond, we actually memorized sections of the memo. You are so good with words. In fact, time to time, over the last two weeks, we've had, we got together once or twice to talk about the memo. We had small groups, small little subcommittees to talk about the memo because it was just so well written. Now, obviously, there's a disconnect in that scenario, right? The boss would look at what they're doing and know you talked about it, you memorized certain things, but you're not doing anything about it. And too often, that's what's happening in the church. We're listening, we're hearing God's word. We're coming together on a Sunday. We're, we're meeting maybe throughout the week. Maybe even some of us are memorizing certain portions of Scripture. But if God incarnate came down and looked at the fruit of our lives, would he say, yeah, you're, you are applying this truth. Well done. Or would like the boss to his staff say, you fools, <laughs> what are you doing? And so today we're going to look at three responses. If we were really going to grapple with God's truth, grapple with his word, then here are three responses that we should be applying to our lives. First is to respond humbly to the process. The scripture that we're looking at starts with this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, you're not saved by working things out. Ephesians says as much, right? Ephesians says that we're saved by faith, we're saved by grace, not by works so that no man can boast. So that I can't say, hey, I'm at church every single Sunday. I read my Bible. I memorize the whole book of the Bible. I, Jesus, I'm wicked awesome. And I got a one-way ticket to heaven. No, we're not saved by doing, doing, doing. James is saying you receive the word. That you would look at the word of God and see the truth of it and be able to save your souls. We believe one of our core values is an all-inclusive gospel message. Can you think... The gospel is for everyone. Can you think of a sin Jesus didn't die for that we can't? The truth is that there is nothing that you can do to earn God's favor as a one-way ticket to heaven. And you can't out-sin God's grace. It goes both ways. So when I read through the gospel, when I read through the word of God, which is able to save my soul, I would read, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I would read through his word and know that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf, so that in Jesus I might become the righteousness of God. 
That if I looked at God's word and really studied it, really examined it, I wouldn't say God's a fool. I wouldn't say to heck with God. I would look at it and say, what a loving God. There's nothing I can do. I just merely accept everything Jesus did. And that starts a relationship. Hanging on to that truth starts this beautiful relationship that my sin broke with God. Jesus now makes possible. And it starts this process when we seek it with humility. See, when something is broken, I don't know if I'm the only guy in the room that's like this, but when something's broken, I kind of try to go into fix-it mode. Granted, sometimes fix-it mode is just call the guy, like pay to get it fixed, or call Pat, he'll come fix everything in my house. And, uh, so I admit that, but sometimes my wife will come to me, and she'll have a need, something will be going on. And, and she'll, she'll be saying, like, this person or that person or this situation or that. And I immediately go into fix-it mode. I immediately go into, well, let's text this person and set up this meeting. Or let's go ahead and tell this person that he or she is a jerk butt. Or let's go and do, like, I go into fix-it mode. I go into, like, hey, Ava, I'm going to put on Pastor Jason hat. Here are three specific ways that you can fix this problem. And they all start with the letter B. Like, I, I want to I solve everything for her. But sometimes... She just wants me to listen. (laughs) She doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants a shoulder to cry on. (laughs) She just wants me to to hear what she has to say. In fact, trying to fix it probably just annoys her. (laughs) I saw a few wives shaking their heads. (laughs) When, When we are in this situation where there is a need before us, sometimes we jump into fixing it And we ignore that which is before us. We ignore the gifts that are before us. We ignore, we we go into doing, 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 when sometimes we need to step back and be quick to listen, to be slow to speak. There's no and in any of that. The Greek doesn't have any and as a conjunction there. It's be slow to speak, slow, quick to listen. It's not quick to listen and slow to speak. There's no and. To To be a listener means that you have to hear that you can't be speaking. You and I both know, and I probably am guilty of this far too often, where you enter into a conversation, maybe I'm entering into a conversation with my wife, and she knows by the look on my face and the nodding that I'm waiting for her to take a breath so that I can insert everything I want her to do. That's not listening. And when she looks at me and says, you didn't hear a darn thing I said, I have to admit she's right. (laughs) Because I was trying to insert myself. Sometimes we ignore the situation when we're so quick to do something that we have to step back, examine, listen, seek God out. Listening is good. Doing is also good. So we listen, and then what the text says, what James says, is that you put away, put away all this stuff that isn't of me. Jesus said as much, his, his, his brother Everyone, he says this in Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and fell. 
Great was the fall of it. Jesus, in Matthew 7, this famous Sermon on the Mount, that's how he closes it out. He says, you want to hear, you hear my words, you know my word. Blesses the man that does it. Blesses the man that puts it into action. So holy living is actionable living. To be like Jesus is to be holy, to, to live a life of action, not live a, live a life of theory, but to put it in to process, to take that next step. Now, I had a feed this, uh, it's crazy to me how, I'll, I'll post some things on social media that I'm like, this is going to be social media gold, it's going to go viral, and then I get like two likes, and then there's other things that I'm just like, ah, oh, well, post, and it blows up. How, y'all, like, young people that do this, like, social whatever stuff, like, I need lessons. But I had one that went viral today, this week. I was like, I want some adulting memes. We're in an adulting series. And apparently, like, y'all have fun Googling images of adulting. And here's some of the top eight. And for y'all, like, I asked. I was like, I'm going to play this in church. And you're throwing gifts up there, like, little videos? Like, how am I supposed to use that? I digress. Here are a few of the, the memes. I tried being an adult once. It was terrible. Why is everything with a cat so hilarious? You throw a cat in there, you can say whatever you want, you're going to get a giggle, the, like the ha-ha like button, all right? Or I ha- I'll have you know I paid all my bills, and I only cried 47 times. The next one, the never-ending story as a kid, the never-ending story as an adult. Can I get an amen? <laughs> all right. This, no picture, but a lot of words. The horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult, but you realize that you are an adult, so you look around for an older adult, an adultier adult, someone better at adulting than you. That's almost daily for me. I have decided I no longer want to be an adult. So, if anyone needs me, I'll be in my blanket fort coloring. So it turns out that being an adult is mostly just Googling how to do stuff. Is there any more? Oh, I think, okay. My favorite childhood memory is not paying bills. Is that it? Oh, gosh, I, too many. Uh, I used to be able to pull all-nighters. Oh, this was from Krista. Uh, I used to be able to pull all-nighters, but now I can barely pull all-dayers. I'll give an amen to that. Some of these things just describe... The next step in being an adult. My kids are famous now for wanting something and saying, Daddy, just go on Amazon. (laughs) Daddy, just throw. They literally have Amazon wish lists (laughs) for their birthdays and Christmas and stuff. And almost daily, we're scrolling through that, adding things to it. They don't have to pay any bills. They have no concept of money. But if we think about being an adult, a lot of it is just taking that next step. Like, if you're an adult and you don't pay bills, okay, we can make funny memes, but at some level, wouldn't we at some point have to have a hard conversation and say, you're kind of being foolish, (laughs) okay? The car payment is still going to come on the 15th. Whether you like it or not, you should pay it. It's taking that next step as an adult. It's just part of growing up. When we're adults of age and we're only guided by our emotions and our feelings, then kind of by definition, we're a child. (laughs) That's what children do. 
But when we grow up, sometimes we have to put our emotions aside, our feelings aside, and just do what we know we ought to do. And so I think part of this growing up adulting process is learning to take that next step. Sometimes that means letting go of something. God is teaching me right now, as I've thought through this sermon series, what's, what's my next step? I'm not sitting up here perfect. You know what I struggle with? Patience. I struggle with seeing a vision for the future and knowing where God can take us and wanting it all right now and ignoring what's before me. I have a hard time of, of being grateful for what is before me and, and soaking in the moment, and, and that's hard for me. You know what my daughter did this week? She potty trained. I mentioned it last week. She's potty trained now. You all, I celebrate. I don't have to buy diapers anymore. Yay, awesome. Stop. It's my baby girl. <laughs> I am literally having a hard time with it. And uh, today Ava's going to make me, instead of watching the Patriots beat the Jets, she's going to make me build my daughter a bed because she's been crying at 4 in the morning trying to go potty. <laughs> And it's been hard for me to say, I have to tear down my very last crib. Sometimes the growing up process is letting something go because it's good. It's good. It's good for my daughter to tinkle (laughs) on her own. (laughs) Take that for what it's worth. So what I want to do is I want to suggest to us, as we consider this adulting process, as we consider being slow to speak, as we consider being quick to listen, as we consider that, that truth, there's no one in this room that is perfect. So could we take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally put it on my phone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that we would take one full minute and that we would step back, and maybe this is the only time this week that you're going to have one minute of silence. Some of you have kids in the nursery. Some of you have kids in the children's area. Take this one minute. But here's the purpose of it. Prayerfully considering, God, what's my next step? God, where am I not like you? Where am I a child in my faith and I want to grow to be an adult? God, show me something. I want to be more like you. So we're going to take a literal minute. It's going to be long for some of us, but I promise it's only 60 seconds. I'll just silence before God. Ready, set, go. One minute. It always blows my mind how quick a minute is. And yet when we finally, like, stop, sometimes that can feel like an eternity. We need to do more of that as a society. Stop and just say, God, speak. We fill in the gap. But God, speak speak to me. 
So we respond humbly to the process. So if wisdom is responding well to truth, we'll respond humbly to the process. And then secondly, we'll respond with careful reflection. This kind of builds on, on each other. So in verse 22, it starts with this. But be doers of the word, not, only, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the, the Jews especially had this like major, major issue with forgetting what God has done. Like being in the moment, being in a stressful situation and forgetting everything that God did. So there was a scenario where they recently were pulled out of Egypt. God did these incredible plagues, and, and, and then they, they're stuck between the, the sea and the Egyptian army coming out, and God opens up the sea, allows them to walk through, and then when the Egyptians are trying to attack them, he just whoop, closes up the sea and protects them. And he's providing manna and food. He's, he's doing all these incredible things for them. They, they're doing awesome things. And then Moses goes up to a mountain, and they're like, well, oh, forget God. Let's grab our gold. Let's grab all the gold together and let's make a calf and start worshiping a golden calf. And in the moment when their leader was just away for a little bit, they forgot everything God did and said, I'm going to make God in my own image, in, in the image of a calf, that is. And so throughout Scripture, it's talking to Israel, remember, remember, remember your God. So James is, is touching upon that. He's, he's talking about our, our nature to be forgetful. Psalm 19 says, your word is more precious than gold. Would we consider that to be true? Would we look at God's word and say, man, that's a resource in front of me that I don't ever want to neglect. God, your, your word is more precious than gold. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That there's a connection between not forgetting. There's a connection between memorizing something and then following God. Knowing, dwelling, accepting it, reflecting upon it, and then acting. So he gives two illustrations. The person that would wake up in the morning, look at their, their face-long mirror, and be like, I look so good. And then walk away and forget exactly what they looked like. That they would get into the mirror and they would see, oh, my hair isn't exactly perfect. And they walk away and they forget it all. So he gives this, this negative example of how easy it is for us to forget the blemishes that we see. Maybe in that, that one minute of silence, maybe already some of us, that's on the back burner. Maybe God just showed us something. Man, Jason, this is where you're not much like me. You're, you're, you're falling short. And how quickly it, it is for us, how easy it is for us to move forward and ignore what God is showing, the blemishes on us. Then he gives a positive example. He says, examine the, the law of liberty. Examine the word of God. It will, it will help you. You'll see truth through it. It's not radical obedience. You know who was always, like, made fun, not made fun of, but who was, all, Jesus always attacked for being radically obedient? The Pharisees. They're the ones that wore the long coats. They had the right length tassels. They sacrificed. When they fasted, everybody knew it. When they prayed, everybody knew it. 
they radically obeyed God. But when they examined the scriptures, they never got God's heart out of it. They just got a list of rules. And so Jesus is there. James is saying, examine. Examine the word. I think he's trying to get at the intention of the word. Get at the heart of God behind it. Don't examine it just to add to your list of do and don'ts, although we obey God because he calls us to obey him. But it's to get at the heart of God and know what he wants of us, not to be radically obedient like a, like a Pharisee, but to know God's word to say, God, I want to strengthen this relationship. We memorize what's important to us, don't we? Don't, we do. I know Ava's phone number by heart. I'm not going to say it publicly, <laughs> but I know it. It's one of two numbers I really genuinely know right now because <laughs> it's, you know, the world we live in. We memorize what's important to us. Did you guys know AIM, if you guys are maybe around my age, AIM is how people used to communicate over our social stuff. We had these things called screen names, and they, showed, they said a lot about a person. I had some screen names, and uh, I would memorize, I would know certain people uh, as, via their, their screen name. And so social media, AIM is killing AIM by the end of the year. It will no longer be a thing forever. You guys still use AIM. Nobody. It's dead anyways. So my buddy posted this when he found it out, Andrew Douglas Manette. He's in my fantasy football league. And uh, he posted all of this. What he says is, from memory... All of these, all of these names, he tagged us, so I'm right there at the very beginning. My, my social media name uh, when I was in high school was Seacoast Goalie because I was a soccer player from a, for a very elite uh, group. I was on the B team, but I didn't make the A team, but that's whatever I should have anyways. Um, but I was a goalie for, for Seacoast United, so I wanted everybody in high school to know I was a soccer, and I, a soccer player. I was a jock. I had it going on, so that was my name. It's, you know, how I got the ladies. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right, and so then I graduated to, to college, and I had a different screen name because I went to a Christian school, and so my screen name in college was his homeboy, 21, because I'm funny. So his homeboy, like I'm Jesus' homeboy, and I was like, I'm going to Christian school. I want to show that I have personality, but then I wanted to tag on the 21 because it was like, oh, like, you know, he likes a good time, and like it was a whole bad thing, and it was bad, but Ava met me as his homeboy, 21, and it worked. I got Ava, ha! But my buddy... My buddy remembered both. And look at all those stupid names. He memorized all of it. And literally 10 years later, he can still say verbatim different social media AIM screen names. And as I say that, some of you can remember your old screen name. Probably remember conversations. You're probably remembering the away messages you would put and coming back and thinking, who left me a message? Or updating your profile on AIM. The point is, though, though, is that we memorize what's important to us. If it is important to us, we're going to take time to really know it. And that has a way of sticking with us. Ten years later, stupid knowledge <laughs> has stuck with my friend. So here's what I'm going to ask, that we take another, another one minute. Y'all going to hate me by the end of this. <laughs> But that thing that God showed you, maybe it's patience. Maybe it's God in general, I just need to surrender to you. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's financial generosity. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe it is your patience. Maybe it is your gratitude. 
There was one of those adulting memes. We've just learned how to Google things, right? You can Google anything. So here's what I'm going to ask. I do this often. I'm struggling with something or I want to know something. I'll type in verses on patience. Search. Go. Thank the Lord, Internet's working. I have 21 verses right now on patience. Proverbs 14:29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Maybe that's the verse I need to memorize this week. So I want to take a minute. Pull out your cell phones, or if you have a hard Bible, start scanning through it. One minute. Could you identify one verse that would help you in that area of struggle? Let's take a minute. I promise you guys that this week, the verse that as I did this, I hope that some of you guys found some verses. The verse that stood out to me was, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, Wheels and I were talking this morning, and uh, I'm struggling through some stuff, and that verse is a a needed thing for me. And so uh, I need that too. So we're going, recapping, wisdom is responding well, the truth we, uh, respond humbly to the process. Take that next step of obedience. Respond with careful reflection. We just did that, reflecting upon God's word. But then it comes time that respond in action. And so verses 22, and then it builds on it. It says this, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He talks about controlling your speech. That's a struggle for me sometimes. He talks about acts of charity. He talks about resisting temptation, looking at the world and resisting and being unstained. And so maybe Psalm 34, 13 is a verse that we would need to consider if our mouth is, is a struggle for us. If you want to be religious, if you want to follow after God, if you want to respond well to truth, then, then one of those things that should be applied is, is guarding your tongue, the way in which you talk. Couldn't we say that, that sometimes, and I've, I've had this happen where somebody was telling, they don't, they don't, they've, I've only seen him here once, but somebody was telling me how much they love Jesus. And they were talking a big spiritual game. You know what happens is later that week I was in Barnegat going to the bathroom and I heard somebody like, cursing up and down, like things that I never thought I'd ever hear. And I walked out, and the person didn't see me because I kept my head down, but it was the person that that Sunday was talking such a big spiritual game. Sometimes our mouth doesn't follow what we believe. And then he goes on to say, be unpolluted in the world. world. Care for orphans. To, to care, be charitable. When someone's in need, if there's a need right in front of you, the good Samaritan, if you will, then, then care for them. 
take care of a need. If, if we as Christians called by God to love, if we see a need before us and we ignore it, what does that say about our faith? That we need to be doers of the world. Well, doers of the word. He says, be unstained. Be in the world, but don't take the world on. Don't be the world. That's fighting temptation. Aren't we tempted to go on social media rants? <laughs> Aren't we tempted when someone talks bad about us to join the world in talking bad about them? It's really easy to hate President Trump right now. When was the last time you prayed for him? We can join the world or we can be different. My prayer is that we would be different and people would look at us and not be able to find blame in us. But say, there's a people that loves. I love what Quinn said. I love that she saw us as loving and joined the movement of love. <laughs> I love that she's on the CKA team. It was my life group that she joined early on. I loved getting to know her and hearing about Iowa. I know nothing about Iowa. She's the first Iowan I've ever met. She joined the mission. I pray that we would join and be different. The word of God should evoke us to action, not sit and do nothing. It's not enough just to be willing. If you listen and you don't do anything, have you really listened? I do that in counseling. I, I, I talk to people and I, I give them advice. What I pray is godly advice. And they go throughout their weeks. And I'm like, you so told me you heard what I said. But you really didn't. Don't be willing. Do something. If you're willing but do nothing, you're what the Bible says. You're, you're deceiving yourself. Don't be willing to help the poor. Help the poor. <laughs> Don't be willing to be generous. Be generous. Don't be... Willing to live in purity and stop sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Stop doing it. <laughs> and when we don't, wouldn't people look at us and say, your religion is worthless? There's no difference. You're no different than the person next to you. I pray that we would be. And I pray that we would be because Jesus first loved us. <laughs> because he died for us. And any sin that Jesus died for isn't a laughing thing. Isn't something to say, ha ha, I slipped up. <laughs> no, he died on the cross for that. We should take it very, very seriously. See, because when we don't, we're, we're like, um, we, got, we have a few college students, some OCC people in the house, or some people that just recently graduated, or uh, our drummer travels up to New York, and he's like down here, like he takes like an hour train just to come to church, which I think is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of us, when we were in college, we audited a class. You pay money, you pay a smaller fee, you audit a class. All you're required to do is show up. When it comes time to take a test, <laughs> nothing. When it comes time to do homework, <laughs> nothing. That's for everybody else around you. So when you audit a class, you have very little responsibility. You just sit and soak in the knowledge. Sometimes we are Christians, or we're, we're, we're really awesome auditors. But sometimes now we need to be really good students and we have to apply that truth and do it well. That is what the unbelieving world wants to see as authenticity. You say you want to be generous, be generous. You say you love people, then why do you hate on certain groups? We need to be loving people and not 
simply be auditors that are knowing things and doing nothing because Jesus first loved us. So my challenge for us today is this, is that we would, that we would identify what we already did in that first moment of silence, that we identified a need in our life where we need to grow in the process. Then we would pick out a scripture and that we would memorize it. So for me, I'm going to memorize something on patience. And I guarantee it's going to frustrate the crud out of me that God is going to test my patience this week. And that my third part of the challenge then is go back, is to go back and to act on it. So that you and I would examine our lives. We've already done that. Well done. Examine your lives. Find a scripture. Memorize that scripture. And then act upon it. Do something. Be different. If you know you shouldn't be talking like a sailor or whatever that saying is, that when, you, when it comes Friday, people are going to say, you're talking different this week. What's going on? That then you have a one-way ticket to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. That's why I'm different. That's why we do it. And so that's the recap. Wisdom is responding well to truth. Humbly respond to the process. Respond with careful reflection and respond in action. I don't have to do anything. I get to. We've talked about that before. Because I have a relationship with Jesus where it's a lot of fun to follow my Jesus because he's been so gracious to me. This week, uh, Ava, uh, I think it was like Monday, I think she was struggling through some health things. And so I, uh, I, I woke up early, and she was coughing and hacking all sorts of a lung. And so I went downstairs, I made her some tea, and I got her some Dayquil, and I brought it up with a cup of water, and I was husband of the year. And, uh, and so and then later on, it was a long work week, I got her a gift card to get a massage, and... Uh, husband of the year. Now, when Ava came to me and said, thank you, Jason, for, for being the most greatest person in the world, I, I, I say that kiddingly, I didn't respond to her, well, yeah, I had to. Well, yeah, you, you had a need. I would, whatever. Like, just take the Dayquil. What would that have said about our relationship? It would have taken that gift, that, that act of obedience, if you will, and it would have cheapened it. What if, what if we come to church and, and God was to say, thank you for being in my presence. Thank you for worshiping me today. And, and we responded back, well, yeah, I had to. What would that say about the relationship? But instead, I woke up. I didn't think twice about it. I got to help my wife. You know what would make me so angry? If Monday morning somebody came to my house, knocked on the door and said, I just so happen to know Ava's struggling right now, and it's a dude, and here's some medicine, here's, some, here's, a, here's a gift card for a mas- and they like loved on my wife, that's a one-way ticket to getting a bloody nose, is it not? Guys in the room, you can relate to me. Like, it's my job to love on Ava. It's my privilege to love on Ava. If somebody tries to usurp my role, I'm going to have issues with that. So why do we go about... Loving other people instead of loving God. All of our tension is supposed to be placed on God. And so it's our honor to, to love God. It's our honor. That's, that's what a relationship is. A relationship is, is, is trying to, is, is, is growing this love and walking like Jesus. That's what he says in, in 1 John 2, 6. He says, whoever abides in him um, ought to walk the same way in which he walked. We know that we love Jesus if we're walking like Jesus. If you were to come in here and this is your first time, you would say, hey, where's the nursery? You would find somebody with that volunteer shirt with the one written down, and you would say, oh, hey, show me where the nursery is. Yeah, I know where it is, and they're, and they're walking you around. 
What if they walked you to the second floor? Did you know there's a second floor in this building? What if they walked you to the second hallway, up to the second, second floor? At some point, as you're walking around, you're going to conclude that this person, the volunteer showing me where the nursery is, doesn't know anything because they're walking a completely different direction. They know nothing. As we walk, it shows what is important to us, and it shows who we ascribe worth to. That's what worship is, is ascribing worth, worth to Jesus. And so we can walk this way, or we can walk this way. Satan wants us to walk away from Jesus. Jesus wants us to walk towards him and with him. And when we choose to walk towards him and with him, we're ascribing him worth. And so today, how you and I leave here choosing to live decides if we ascribe God worth. So the worship team is going to come on, and we're going to respond in song, resurrecting King, that our God is awesome, and that develops such a beautiful relationship. We're going to sing resurrecting King, and I pray that it would move us to establish this relationship with Jesus, to consider this relationship with Jesus, and be able to celebrate that. Josh and the team.